Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Ankle sprains, broken arms, elbows, knees, ACL tears. These are all common orthopedic injuries in kids because accidents do happen when you least expect it. Here in Hawaii, we have access to world-class doctors and surgeons at many of our medical facilities, but a lot of us, myself included, may not be aware of what's going on these days at Shriners Hospital. Dr. Jonathan Pellet is in the studio to tell us more about orthopedic emergencies in our keiki and what are some of the common things he sees in his clinic. But first, we have John White, administrator at Shriners Hospital, here to tell us more about what their facility has to offer to any child that needs care in Hawaii and across the Pacific, regardless of their finances. We'll be taking your calls in just a few minutes at 941-3689 on Oahu, toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. John White, welcome to The Body Show. Dr. Kozak, glad to be here. Happy to hear about it. Now, a few years ago, Shriners, you had a big expansion. You needed more space. You were able to provide more services. But, you know, I'm an internist, so I deal with adults. I don't generally see kids because that's that's not my specialty. But I've always wondered what goes on at Shriners. It's across from Kapiolani. What happens in your facility? And what are you guys really good at? And now you have even more to offer. So how did Shriners get started? And, and what do we do at Shriners here in Hawaii? Yeah, let me just a little bit of history. So Shriners is an organization. It's the, the outgrowth of a, a fraternity, a club that started in the late 1800s. And a group of guys got together, and as they, as this uh, group progressed, the fraternity uh, really decided they needed to have a, a greater purpose. And so the first Shriners Hospital was founded in 1922. Uh, the Honolulu Hospital is number two, actually. Um, Shreveport, Louisiana was the first. We were the second. And so we celebrated our 90th anniversary last year here in Honolulu. Uh, that's a long time. 90 years of service. Now, what are some of the areas of expertise that Shriners focuses on. Yeah, um, just another, just a brief uh, history there as well. We started out um, with our main purpose being polio, you know, caring for kids with polio. And as that became less and less uh, necessary, we really transitioned to something that made a lot of sense in terms of just the logistics as far as the facilities and the equipment and the expertise we had into children's orthopedics. And so for almost our entire, you know, modern existence, we've really been in a children's orthopedic specialty hospital. And so we do that. Um, in fact, that's our core, but we do a lot of other things as well. So now tell me about some of those other things. We're going to talk with orthopedic surgeon Dr. Jonathan Pellet in just a few minutes, but tell me more about what are some of the other services that are available at Shriners. Yeah, kids uh, can come to Shriners, and it, this is wide open in terms of the, you know, there are no qualifications for payment. Um, you don't have to be somebody that has uh, something hereditary as far as an orthopedic condition. You can come to us with a fracture. That's something new. We have a fracture clinic that we run in the mornings during the week. And so kids uh, that had maybe a soccer game the night before and were seen in the emergency department and had to follow up with an orthopedist can come and see our folks uh, the next morning and get care, the definitive care at that time. So orthopedic issues you have expertise with. You can come if you have insurance. There's no restriction if you have insurance. Absolutely. There's no restriction if you don't. That's right. And really, and folks just need to not think about that. I mean, you if you don't have resources, that's great. If you do, that's great. Um, to us, we're, it's just about caring for the kids. It's about world-class medicine. 
I still want to work at Shriners, but you guys don't take care of adults now, but okay. <laughs> so tell me about some of the other clinics, because there are some things that are available at Shriners that people may not be aware of. There's opportunities for dental services. There's autism services. Other than orthopedics, what else can somebody come to Shriners for? Yeah, Dr. Ryan Lee is our uh, one of our newest additions to the medical staff, and he is a pediatric neurologist. So his practice focuses on neurodevelopmental type uh, issues with kids, and so kids that have autism, kids with de- developmental delay, um, you know, just things that you know, in that general spectrum of things we can care for. And we didn't have that capability before. Really, we're focused mainly on the orthopedics, and which we still do and do well. But now we've branched out a little bit. We've got a broader focus on that. And that's uh, in addition to the dental clinic that you just mentioned a few minutes ago. Now, it's not just here in the islands. You can come from the neighbor islands, but you also generate services for people who come from all over the Pacific. Where are some of the locations where some of your patients come from? You know, as far away as Guam and uh, Samoa, Fiji, you know, any of really the the islands in the Pacific Basin, we've seen patients from those places. Uh, Guam, probably the the most patients come from that particular location, but uh, as well as the neighbor islands. So, um, you know, the big island, uh, Kauai, Maui, uh, we see kids from all over. Now, if they do come from some of the neighbor islands, how do they figure out how to stay? I mean, do we have do we have a place for them to stay? If parents have children who get admitted to the hospital, where do the parents go? How do we how do we not only take care of the injured child but the rest of the family? Yeah, that's a great question. So if you haven't been by our hospital lately, for the folks out there listening, stop by and you'll see three buildings. The one that's on the Mackay side, the kind of the, the left side of the campus, is actually our family housing center. So we currently have ten apartments. And uh, it's, it's predominantly right now full of folks from the Pacific Basin just because they often have different challenges for uh, trying to find a place to stay in Honolulu. And they also uh, you know, tend, tend to have to stay longer. But uh, the Family Center provides on-campus housing for uh, you know, parents and kids uh, while they're having their treatment. And uh, we hope by the end of next year to have an additional seven units constructed on campus. So we've got a total of 17. So there's more construction still ongoing. That's uh, that's the plan. We have uh, plans and working on the funding pieces right now to put that in place. So 17 total. We have 10 plus the seven new ones. Now, where do you see Shriners in the next 5, 10, 20 years? You know, I, I think, and this is just me speaking personally, um, I think Shriners' mission, our niche really, is to address health disparities in kids, uh, for kids wherever they exist. So that may be different here in Hawaii than it might be in Texas or California or uh, Massachusetts where we have other hospitals, 22 hospitals uh, in total across the, you know, across this part of the world. Um, and I, I think that's what we're good at. I mean, we are we're clinically excellent. We do great research, uh, great patient experience, and uh, we can do things that because we have financial strength as a system that other folks can't necessarily afford to do. Well, speaking of having expertise available in orthopedics, let's talk with Dr. Jonathan Pellet. Now, Dr. Jonathan, you're one of the orthopedic surgeons at Shriners, and I'm curious, you know, we talk about what sort of things we often associate with orthopedics, broken arms, sprained ankles, those sorts of things, but there's actually some really unique challenges that you see in your clinic. So welcome to the show, and tell me a little bit about what you see in your clinic that might be different than people might expect. Well, um, thank you, Kathleen. 
as an orthopedic surgeon, you might wonder, you know, why would a child need surgery? You think orthopedic surgery is more adults who've worn out their parts or athletes who destroyed their parts getting tackled the wrong way. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of kids who see an orthopedic surgeon, they don't need an operation. They just need to see a doctor. So I consider myself more like an orthopedic doctor. I spend half my days in the clinic touching and working with people, recommending braces and therapy and uh, counseling and examining. And then maybe one-third of my time is actually spent doing operations. But when we start operating, uh, we're, the usual for us is the unusual. I'd say uh, a typical adult orthopedic surgeon who might specialize, let's say, in knee replacements. Uh, somebody with a healthy, thriving practice might do five knee replacements on Monday and seven hip replacements on Thursday, and it looks a bit like an assembly line. Uh, and when you come to a pediatric orthopedic hospital, it's a much bigger variety of rare things that you might never have seen or heard of. Well, now, I, now I'm really intrigued because I love things that I've never seen or heard of. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit. What are, what are some common things that you see in your office that would not necessarily be common for me? So I deal with adults. So people have already gotten, you know, they've full grown majority mm -hmm. of the time, and they're not necessarily going to have things that were undiagnosed as of yet. Mm -hmm. We have some fabulous pediatricians, and a lot of these things have already been identified. What are some of the things that you see? Well, you know, the joke is always when the baby's born, uh, were there 10 fingers and 10 toes, Doc? And, uh, and of course, the reason you ask that is because sometimes there's not. And by the time they're an adult and you see them, all they have is a fine line scar. And they may have even forgotten about it. Because remember, uh, children don't remember anything significantly prior to the age of three. Long-term follow-up, they're not going to remember. So that's a typical congenital birth defect, if you wanted to call it a defect, born with an extra finger or toe. And uh, I'm sure that can be very heartbreaking and scary to uh, a new mom and dad. Um, and that's that gets a call to a pediatric orthopedic surgeon. So is that a common event? I mean, I think to myself, sometimes I wish I had, you know, extra arms. There's so much to do, but I, I'm not really as, as familiar with people who have an extra toe or an extra an extra thumb, like an actual real extra body part. We joke <laughs> about it, but, you know, this is a real serious situation. So how often do people have, We, I guess we would call it polydactyly, right? That yeah, polydactyly, uh, gosh, that must be one in a thousand or so. It's very common, and it runs in families, of course. So uh, having two twins with extras on both sides would be uh, a pretty common scenario. And um, and it it's not it's something that the family would choose to treat or not to treat. So, for example, I had uh, these two twins, totally normal, healthy kids, that uh, they just chose not to treat it until they were a little older. I think, uh, like a lot of parents, they were uh, scared about the prospect of having anesthesia or uh, having their child in the hospital, and they wanted to defer. And then um, by the time the kids were five, everyone agreed that it was time and the kids could actually participate in that decision-making. And what was wrong with them? They had an extra finger? Extra, extra pinkies on both sides, extra uh, pinky toes on both sides. So the two... Identical twins, uh, between the two of them, I guess that's uh, 10, 20, 30, 48, 48. And, of course, they wanted to get it done on the same day, and they wanted to stay in the same room. That's a long day for you. Yeah. So, um, and 
in one day than there were eight less. But all you'd know from them is the little scar on the side. Sure. And I might not even notice that if mm-hmm. I say, okay, there's five and five. There you go. All right. So congenital issues. That's one of the things that sometimes you see. What about other sorts of, you know, a lot of times I would imagine parents want to know, is this normal? Is my child okay? I've identified something that may not have happened immediately, but their legs look a little funny. They they walk a little unusual. Do you wind up seeing a lot of people for whom what you're looking at is really someone who's normal, who mm-hmm. needs reassurance? So there's the new parents, and when their child is stumbling and tripping and walking with their toes pointed in, they're not sure if that's normal. And uh, then grandma says, uh, you didn't walk like that, that I can remember. Um, Thus starts the concern and the flurry of worry. Okay. And then there's the uh, mother of seven who will bring in the seventh one and say, his legs aren't the same as the other six. And, I, and I'll look at that child and I'll say, you know, you're right, but it's going to be okay. Uh, they're not, not all siblings are identical, as you know. Boy, I'm glad to know not all siblings are identical. I suspect my brother's listening now. <clears throat> but okay, so so sometimes it's normal and it just so happens to be a variant of normal that someone's coming in with. What are true orthopedic emergencies? When should somebody definitely come to see you? We talked about fractures and if they were diagnosed with a fracture, there's a fracture clinic. They can come in and see an orthopedic specialist. When do they need you? You know, Kids get hurt all the time, and they're inconsolable, and they're crying, and there's blood. And if 20 minutes later they're smiling and they're okay, and they're up and walking around, you're okay. If they're still crying about it after 20 minutes, that's a major injury. And that's it's a bit tricky to tell the difference between a major injury and a minor in, in children, you know. What are some of the signs? How could you know if you're a parent or a grandmother or a babysitter or somebody who's taking care of young children – other than they're still upset about it 20 minutes later, mm-hmm. are there certain pain signals? Are there certain ways that things might look deformed or people might not be able to, to walk on their ankle the same way? What are some of those signs that, hey, there's trouble? Will not walk. Will not walk needs evaluation by an orthopedic surgeon um, or an emergency room where they they learn the basic protocols of won't walk. And uh, there's a million reasons why. And sometimes you can't even focalize which area might be the problem. Is it the back? Is it the hip? Is it the knee or the foot? Is it a splinter in the foot or an infection of the hip? You can't even tell in a crying two-year-old. But if they won't walk, um, you probably ought to have them seen by a doctor. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with some folks from Shriners. We have Dr. Jonathan Pellet, orthopedic surgeon, and we have John White, who was one of the administrators aware of all things Shriners. If you have a question or if you have a child who has a concern and you wonder, is this an area where you might get some help, you can give us a holler, 941-3689, toll free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Dr. Pellet, tell me, sports injuries. People always wonder about, we we tell children, go out, exercise, go play. We want you to be outdoors. What are some of the common sports injuries that you see, and could it be prevented? Are there ways that we can sort of modify activities to make them safer? Well, I guess uh, the ACL tear, the anterior cruciate ligament tear in the knee, that's gotten a lot of press lately. Um, ACL tears used to be a boy's injury. Uh, And now, 
per hour of sports participation, the girls are beating the boys. There are more ACL tears in girls than boys. We didn't realize this because 20 years ago, women didn't play as much sports or not as much aggressive contact, pivoting, turning sports. It's a, it's an indirect injury, meaning it usually happens um, to a player who you're not being hit by somebody else. You just plant your foot, turn a funny way, get the lever arm right, and it snaps. Uh, and then your ACL is torn. And it can be prevented. Uh, the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons has been doing research and development regarding exercise programs. And it, it sounds silly, but it's sort of teaching women how to jump, teaching women how to land, and teaching them how to fall. And these programs have been prospectively trialed in large groups of uh just regular teenage soccer players, and they can reduce the incidence of ACL tears by 50%. So just learning how to jump, how to turn, how to twist, how to fall can actually prevent you from having the tear. Yeah, and there's specific protocols. It's a 20-minute exercise regimen, and the coaches are starting to understand it, and there's private companies in town that do Saturday training sessions where you can go and get – and you can see the kids doing it, and it's just in a group. They're jumping, planting, turning, and uh, it reduces the rate of ACL tear. Now, what are the consequences if you are young and you tear your ACL and you decide, I'm not necessarily going to go have a surgery to fix it? Do you have to have a surgery? Are you going to have knee arthritis later? What are the What are the chances that it could be a problem later on? Um, it will be a problem later on. Uh, Now, if you are relatively sedentary and you only plan for some straight-ahead running, uh, then a lot of people will choose not to get it fixed. But most of the people choosing not to get it fixed are my age, and I'm pushing 50. So if Uh, you're young, you really want to get it fixed. Yeah. If you're ever going to want to run after your kids and play with your kids when they're young, then you need to get your ACL (laughs) fixed while you're young. And so the fix is actually just if it's torn, you you reconnect those ligaments, you tighten it so that it's actually not going to it's not going to tear again. What's the recovery time? I mean, if you're if you were just told you had an ACL tear and you're maybe you know in high school playing sports, are you looking at being out for four to six weeks? Is it I'm out for the season? Yeah, sports is going to be out. I think uh, at least six months, potentially a year, and that's always the biggest question: when can they get back to sports? Um, you're going to be out of school for 10 days and you're going to be on crutches for a couple of weeks. So it's a pretty major event and it can be timed. It's not the kind of thing that needs to be fixed right away. So a lot of people want to get it fixed in the summer or, you So know. you could wait a little while. Yes, absolutely. Some people wait a year and a half, you know. But and it's not still be, something you can fix. Yes, but you're not going to be pivoting, turning, and playing high-level sports until During that fixed. time. Yeah. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Jonathan Pellet, orthopedic specialist at Shriners, and John White, one of the administrators who's helping to run Shriners and make sure that we all have access to great care for the kids here in the islands and beyond throughout the Pacific. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about common orthopedic injuries and what you can do for it and how you can prevent them. You can join our conversation at 941-3689, toll free from our neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Have you ever found yourself interested in a local news report and then missed half of it because you got a phone call? Or maybe you had to park the car and turn the radio off. 
If you want to find out how that report ended, you can go to hawaiipublicradio.org and click on News. There you'll find links to individual reporters' stories, contributors' essays, neighbor island reports, and the talk show audio archives. The HPR website. It's just a click away. To be an embedded journalist with the troops in Iraq and Afghanistan, Jake Warga was told all you got to do is apply and bring along three essentials. All right, bring a bulletproof vest, a sleeping bag, a helmet, and just show up in Kuwait. Reporting on life in a war zone with the U.S. military, finding pre-Columbian cities in the cloud forest of the Andes, and a closer look at the south of Spain. It's on the next Travel with Rick Steves. Tuesday at 4 p.m., following Fresh Air. Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome back to The Body Show. Today we're talking about Shriners Hospital and some of the orthopedic expertise that's available right here in the islands. If you or someone you love has had a problem and they have an orthopedic concern that they'd like to know more about, you can certainly give us a holler at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands 877-941-3689. Dr. Jonathan Pellet, orthopedic specialist, is in the studio, but we also have John White, who's here. And we were talking a little bit earlier, John, about the expertise that's available at Shriners. There's orthopedic expertise, and there's some other things that you guys do that are unique. Tell us a little bit more, remind us, for those who just tuned in, about some of the services that are available at Shriners that people may not even have any idea about. Yeah. Um, we'll go back to the to mention the fracture clinic again and then talk a little bit about dental service as well. So the fracture clinic is uh, something that just it improves access to care for kids who have a sports injury, like Dr. Pellet was speaking of earlier, that have trouble uh, you know, following up with a physician. In Hawaii, like a lot of other states, it's just it's tough to find follow-up care sometimes. And the Fracture Clinic gives you Monday through Friday, you know, 7.30 to 9.30 in the morning, uh, the ability to do that with Dr. Pellet, Dr. Ono, you know, one of our other orthopedic surgeons to take care of you. So it's a great service, and it's uh, something relatively new and something that's grown quite a bit. I bet. It's even, you know, 7.30, 9.30, it's before work hours. So it would be really <laughs> convenient for a lot of parents. It's nice. And that was that was part of the reason why we, we put it uh, in that particular time frame, because you can get to us and then hopefully get back to school or work or wherever you're headed uh, in time. Now, you mentioned the dentist, and we all love the dentist. I've had some great dentists on the show. But, you know, it's one of those things kids get really scared about, and there's often a concern about access to, to dentists in the islands. Shriners now has a dental clinic. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, this grew, and I'll, I'll ask Dr. Pellet to chime in here and make sure I've got this right. Um, the, the dental piece of all this, I think, came originally from kids that came to Shriners for surgery from the Pacific Basin that had uh, profound dental disease of some type. And before we could, we could fix them with orthopedic surgery, they really had to have a, you know, a healthy mouth uh, to begin with. You can get infections in prosthetic joints and in various other things. And if the infection comes in the mouth, you don't treat the mouth, it's going to come back. It's bad news. And so making those kids well first or getting them well and then proceeding to the orthopedic correction was, was really the, the order of the day. And so we also do, uh, which is wonderful, we do some dental uh, work under sedation in our OR for kids that can't necessarily sit through for some reason, you know, a procedure that has to be done at a dentist's office. So um, that's, uh, it's a safe environment. It's something we really are proud of and is to have begun to do this year. Well, it makes sense. Now, Dr. Pellet, clearly, if you have an infection and you have to go do an orthopedic surgery, if you're putting any foreign body into that person, having that source of infection still there is a huge deal. 
And working uh, right across the ether screen uh, and one-on-one with these dentists, I realize now that we're both in the same business. For every disease and problem that I treat, there's a dental equivalent. They do all the same stuff. They Just treat, in a smaller space, They really. treat infections mouth, and fractures yeah. and congenital anomalies, developmental things. It's the same game. It's wow, just, just a- when you thought you weren't a dentist, you kind of <laughs> are in a way. Yeah. All right. Well, and that's really interesting because out of the need to appropriately treat orthopedic conditions without allowing a continued risk for infection or other problems, now, you know, Shriners has developed the dental clinic. I think it's a great way to incorporate additional care that really gets at the heart of the problem, which is don't keep having these issues, get rid of the infection, treat the orthopedic injury, and basically get better. Well, we've got a caller on the line. We've got Carolyn calling in from Kailua. Carolyn, thanks for being patient. What can we do for you today? Hi there. I had a question about um, children that are hitting puberty and they hit their growth spurt. My son is growing at about four and a half inches per year, and now he complains that his knees are constantly sore. Is that something that's normal or something I need him to be checked for? Well, that peak uh, height velocity is about six inches per year. And uh, the good news is it only lasts for about six months. Uh, the bad news is that it does cause pain. It really does. Is your son otherwise healthy? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and he's not overweight, so it's certainly not from any, like, physical stress and on when his you, knee, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And so he's active. He's not overweight. And when you look at him, he doesn't look crooked? No, he doesn't look crooked, but he declines a lot of activities because his knees are sore. Yeah, so it's almost certainly something that he'll grow out of, a type of growing pain. And uh, there's about 10 different specific types of growing pains that have names, Osgood schlatter syndrome and Sindig-Larsen-Johansson syndrome. Um, but the specific ones don't matter as much as uh, the fact that he'll probably outgrow it. Uh, that is a perfect situation to see an orthopedic doctor. Because in about 15 minutes, with probably no x-rays, you can get a better feel for it, a better handle on it, and maybe even a few little exercises that would make it better. Oh, great. Okay. I will definitely keep that in mind. And if he continues to complain, I'll go have him taken in. Yeah, have him complain to a doctor. Right. Great. (laughs) Thank you very much. All right, Carolyn. Thanks for asking such a great question. We always hear about growing pains, but here's here's a guy who really has it, and <laughs> clearly mom's concerned. I'm saying, yay, four and a half inches, grow <laughs> taller. You know, that can only be good as you get older, but certainly as long as there's not a medical concern. So thanks for calling us and, and sharing that concern, and, and hopefully it won't be an issue and he'll be fine, Carolyn, but good luck to him. If you have a question or a concern that you think an orthopedic specialist might be able to help you with, hey, now is your chance to ask an expert. We have Dr. Jonathan Pellet in the studio sitting right here. He works at Shriners, and he can help answer pretty much any orthopedic question that I can't, particularly for kids because, you know, you have an expertise that uh, we don't, that I don't often see in the clinic. So if you've got a question, give us a holler at 941-3689, neighbor islands, 877 Three six eight nine. Now, before the break, we were talking, Dr. Pellet, about ACL tears is one of those things you do eventually want to repair. Carolyn called about her son who's having some growing pains. What are some of the other causes of joint pains in pediatrics? Because, you know, as you get older, 
a lot of times we attribute some of these things to arthritis or overuse or, you know, wear and tear. But when you're a young child, what causes some of these joint discomforts like knee pain or elbow pain or wrist pain? Are these things that should be causes of concern? Um, there are developmental conditions, and that, that means conditions where that develop in an otherwise normal kid who's previously healthy, everything was fine, and then something develops. Uh, some of these are related to recurrent stresses. So jumpers get jumper's knee and runners get the uh, little pull-off injuries where the tendon attaches to the bone. Others are more related to funny blood supply, uh, the way uh, sometimes a kid's tooth will just sort of turn brown, and that's a tooth whose root has died. There's equivalents of those. I've always wondered what that was. Okay. That brown so you tooth, do dentistry as well. You, there you go. The brown tooth is, is where it got knocked and it killed the root. And it's still a good tooth. You can still chew on it. It'll last a couple of years till the grown-up tooth comes in. It just turns brown. And there's equivalence to that in the bones and joints. And most of them uh, resolve over time and they grow the new blood supply. So there's a, there's a number of different issues. Most of them we can't explain. To be honest with you, the the active kid with achy knees at night that the ask mom to rub them, um, who remains active, we follow them, we examine them, we watch them grow. It eventually goes away. Uh, you know you're doing well when you bring them back to clinic and they can't remember which side it was, and you Sign remember, of okay. <laughs> but they don't remember. Yeah. So a lot of these things may resolve on their own, yeah. but if you have questions. Because sometimes it could be something serious, mm-hmm. always good to have an expert check mm-hmm. it out. All right. We've got a caller from from our friends over on the Big Island. We've got Mua from Hilo. Mua, welcome to The Body Show. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for calling us. What can we do for you today? Well, my son, who is seven, um, broke his index finger about a month ago, and we didn't catch it right away. Mm-hmm. The orthopedic surgeon said that we could do surgery to straighten it out. However, um, it would probably have some stiffness afterwards and kind of left it up to us to decide. Do you have any advice? So that's his pointer finger? Yes, on his non-dominant uh-huh. hand. And when you look at it, it looks crooked now? Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, he's starting to use it already? Yes. Yeah. So Pretty um, active. There's... Uh, you can do operations to straighten bones out, but if it's anywhere near a growth plate, oftentimes uh, just waiting is a reasonable option too. Um, because whenever you do an operation, you, you, you worry about potentially injuring the growth plate. And if you're going to cut a bone and straighten it out, that could be done at any age. Uh, it could be done in somebody my age. Uh, but if you do it uh, at the risk of an injury to the growth plate, that might not be the best thing. And if his fracture went through the growth plate, then for sure the best thing to do is just watch it. Find, you know, just they follow. said that it wasn't near the, the growth plate. Oh, okay. So that's the kind of thing that could be fixed at any time. Okay. Uh, but deferring it is okay. Having a little bit of crooked finger is okay for now. There's not a rush on that. Make sure you get, uh, I'm sure you hear people say, a second opinion. All right. right. So, Mo, it sounds like you did the right thing, you know, waiting it out, not doing surgery on a seven-year-old. Not a bad thing. You said it's his non-dominant hand. 
Correct. So he's still able to write, do other activities. He can do all the stuff he likes to do. Well, I mean, he's still kind of um, favoring it because it was fairly recent, but it's not keeping him from doing any activities. Mm -hmm. So it's near the tip of the finger or down by the knuckles? Um, It's the middle joint. Uh Uh-huh. So... Um, remember, kids are growing, and a seven-year-old's finger is uh, going to get 50% longer between now and the time he's grown. And uh, it always steers itself back, tries to steer itself back into the right direction like a little plant that got bent over by a windstorm. It tries to grow back up again, um, and that's called fracture remodeling. And uh, kids are amazing at that. So fractures always remodel. It always gets better, may not become perfect, but it always moves in the right direction. And part of knowing which fractures to treat and which not to treat um, is knowing which ones can remodel. And can I put in a plug for uh, one of my buddies who's not related to Shriner at all? Uh, Dr. Byron Azuka is um, a private practice pediatric orthopedic surgeon in town, and he took what his our grandfathers had told us about healing forearm fractures, wrist and forearm fractures, um, and uh, they always told us that even if it's a little crooked, it'll straighten itself out. And we, uh, I think over the last 20 years, we got a little bit too technology dependent, and we wanted everything to be perfectly straight because we had live x-ray and all these machines. And Byron took a step back and said, I think maybe just a cast would be fine for those, uh, like we did from the 1930s until the 1960s. And he published uh, a paper uh, here out of Honolulu with 30 or 40 of his patients who all enrolled in the non-operative treatment of their forearm fractures, and they all had fantastic results. He won a national award for excellence in research and has influenced the care and treatment of fractures all across the country. And this just happened in the last five years right here in Honolulu. Boy, when we talk about having world's experts, there's one right there. So he actually did the old-time treatment that we said, you know, let's not do all this fancy stuff. Let's go back to the basics. And it worked really well. All right. So if somebody wanted to look him up again, what was his name? Byron Azuka. Byron Azuka. All right. And it's good to know. You know, there are some things that sometimes we get too technology about. But, Moe, it sounds like you're making the right decision. And if your son's okay and he's feeling better, this may work its way out. So, Good. It sounds like you you know, you made the right decision there and keep an eye on him, but he, he should hopefully be fine. But that's interesting. So one of the things that I love to hear about is research that we're doing right here in the islands that's actually changing what we do, particularly in this case, worldwide. Why do you think we moved away from the basics? I mean, a lot of times in what I do, diabetes, blood pressure, high cholesterol, we get all fancy about medications and stuff. We forget the basics, lifestyle. Don't eat cheeseburgers if your <laughs> cholesterol's too high. It's not just about taking pills. It's about changing the cheeseburgers. So we tend to do the same thing in, in my field is get very technical about it. Why do you think we got so technical? Is it just because we could? Uh, technical is uh, faster and sexier. Uh, and traditional management is oftentimes more labor intensive. So treating something in a cast uh, requires a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of trimming, some redos. Uh, and then in the end, of course, there's no scars. 
Uh, everyone's happy. There's no metal inside, and it's a good outcome. Uh, but it does require when you, when you've casted a fracture, let's say, and then uh, you go home, you're still kind of worried that it may slip and change, and how you're going to explain that, and how you'll redo it. Whereas when you do a big operation, well, then you're confident. Um, so there's a there's a lot of things that have led us in that direction. Um, but uh, with kids, you know. Most injuries don't need an operation. Well, and coming from a surgeon, that says a lot because your job is generally to do surgery. So when you say they don't need a surgery, I got to say that that's pretty strong words of advice. We've got another caller on the line. We've got Roger from Manoa. Roger, welcome to The Body Show. Yeah, hi. How are you? Great. What can we do for you today? Uh, well, I uh, my 12-year-old daughter got a minor uh, PCL tear in her knee. Uh, playing volleyball, and uh, she had an MRI, and that's how we know what the diagnosis is. Uh, she went to physical therapy, and it was it seemed to get better. Um, and she was continuing to do some stretching. I'm not sure how diligent she's been on it to get it stretched out. But recently, it, to her, it seems like it's tighter than it used to be and harder to stretch and causing more pain when she tries to stretch it. When I say stretch, I mean bend it back all the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, she can straighten it. But I don't know, is that is, is it like an overgrowth of scar tissue of the healing, or is it she's not been diligent enough stretching it, or how, how much, how aggressive should she, should she be in, in stressing it, I mean stretching it, <laughs> to get it to... Uh, so she has trouble bending it all the way now. Yes. Like I she mean, can't her, put her, her other, heel. Her other leg, no problem touching yeah. her heel to her butt. Yes. But uh, this one, no. That's exactly right. Touching the heel to the butt. Most people can do that. And when she does that, it hurts. She's 12 she years can't old. can't get it that far. Yeah. She's 12 years old. She's still growing. Um she squats funny. She would hold one leg out to the side and uh, squat down onto one heel um, and I would not push that too far. Her body's still growing. Um, she, it needs time for healing. Uh, you know, when my wife had her cesarean section, she couldn't sit upright for about three months because it pulls on that scar on your tummy. And finally, yeah. when the scar's all healed, finally, um, she can sit upright now. And after the second time, of course, it took a little longer. But that's her body telling her not to put pressure on that area. I've fought that battle many, many times trying to get the full range of motion. And I found that uh, if you give it some time, don't get a re-injury, it'll happen naturally. Okay. So eventually the flexibility will probably just come back. Slowly but surely. I think so. She's still playing volleyball, and sometimes her knee gets a little sore. But as long as it's not, I mean, by the next day, it's not sore, really. So uh, should she worry about that amount of activity and soreness? No, I think that's okay. That's pretty normal. That's her body telling, uh, that's your body still healing, I think. And if she can get her knee all the way straight, that's the critical thing. If your knee can fully extend um, and she's back jumping, she'll do well. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling us, Roger. I'm happy to know your daughter's going to be all right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with 
with Dr. Jonathan Pellet, Shriners Orthopedic Surgeon Specialist, and John White, who's helping to make sure that Shriners can meet the needs of our keiki here in the islands and beyond for far into the future. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about common orthopedic issues for kids. If you've got a question or a concern, you can give us a holler at 941-3689 on Oahu or from our neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back. Stay with us. I think communication is vital, and I think because we have public radio, we have fair and unbiased communication that comes from a variety of perspectives. I think that's one of the few things we have left that is a free nation, so it's really important to preserve that kind of communication, and public radio brings that to us. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. I peeled open a new pack of cigarettes. It was exciting, a new pack. The promise of so many cigarettes waiting to be smoked. Like a 10-day forecast with a line of sunshines. Love and Cigarettes. This week on Selected Shorts. From PRI, Public Radio International. Tuesday at 4 p.m. following Travel with Rick Steves. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in a studio with Dr. Jonathan Pellet, orthopedic specialist in pediatric orthopedics and sort of pseudo part-time dentist uh, working on some of the same <laughs> things that they do in dentistry. These guys do very similar activities. And we're also here talking with John White, who's from Shriners. If you have a question or a concern, you can give us a holler, 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877 877- Nine four one three six eight nine. Kids and injuries and accidents. It happens. You never know when. But we're talking a little bit about what are common things and how to prevent them. Now, during the break, I put our administrator John White in the hot seat and said, <laughs> "Tell me something nobody knows about Shriners that only you know." I mean, I learned it was the very second Shriners Hospital. I got to say, I didn't know that. Uh-huh. But tell me something surprising that I would totally not expect about Shriners. <laughs> A little bit of stress there. You know, you had like 20 seconds to come up with something, if that. Oh, that's a great question. So um, I think, you know, to me, the most surprising thing about Shriners is the, you know, people probably don't understand what resource it takes to run 22 hospitals on almost no revenue, meaning we we do most of the care. And in Honolulu, it's about 80% of the care that we deliver is free. So that's a result of the fraternity, the Shriners International Fraternity, who uh, have a, a very large endowment that the the uh, investment proceeds for that endowment really pay for what we do with Dr. Pellet, Dr. Ono, others day to day. And I, I think that's amazing. We've lived in a, a little bit different world for a long time. We do bill and collect where we can, but we still provide most of the care for free. Amazing. 80% of the care. 80% of the care. Unreimbursed. For free. Right, right. And we've paid... Uh, you know, our hospital has the same type of expenses we're paid for, uh, you know, whether it's salaries, benefits, supplies, equipment, insurance, all that uh, comes from the Shrine's generosity. That's some magic accounting, I'll tell you. Pretty cool. And that's something I would not have expected. All right. So good to know. Well, we've got a caller on the line. We've got Alan on the line from Kihei. Alan, welcome to The Body Show. Hi. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for calling. What can we do for you? Um, yeah, well, first I'd like to just start out saying how much respect I have for the Shriners. They helped my younger brother, who was born without a hand, um, uh, for many years when we were kids, and that was really awesome. Um, but I was curious, you know, the doctor was telling um, the gentleman with the girl with the 
sore knee, um, you know, about resting and letting it, it, it do some healing time. Um, at Shriners, or, or does the doctor himself recommend people utilize uh, some alternative or complementary type of care to expedite healing or, you know, massage, acupuncture, chiropractic? What's his take on that, and, and how would he utilize that in a healing situation? Great question, Alan, because, you know, we, we cover some of these alternative topics on the show, and you always got to wonder, is it going to help? If it doesn't hurt, can you try it? And I'm curious, we really haven't talked complementary alternative medicine. Dr. Pallet, now you're in the hot seat. We put John White in the hot seat earlier. Now you are. Tell me, how do you use those alternatives? Because, you know, Alan wants to know. <laughs> well, alternative medicines um, are probably more popular and more embraced in Hawaii. And I think physical medicine is more embraced in Hawaii as well. Uh, there's there's a lot of children's problems that need stretching, bracing, and physical measures. Like, let's say, a club foot. A child with a club foot, we can straighten his foot out with almost no surgery or a tiny little surgery, but it does require stretching, pushing, bracing, and the parents have to participate in this. And I always had trouble in the mainland getting the parents to buy into the they they just wanted the problem to be fixed, and there must be some technology to fix it. And here in Hawaii, when I start showing the parents how to stretch and how to push, they uh, they'll do it. And I think it's they call it lomi lomi or something. That's the physical medicine, lomi lomi. And um, of course, there's micronutrients and salon pass. That's a very popular thing that I only found out about here in Hawaii. Um, acupuncture. I thought it was kind of bogus until my babysitter had all four wisdom teeth taken out with nothing but acupuncture. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> so you've become a believer in some of these different Absolutely. techniques because you've witnessed it work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it sounds like, Alan, there's, there's definitely some benefit to what we're seeing. Was there a particular technique you had in mind? Um. Not particular. I'm just trying to get some input from some doctors. I practice acupuncture myself and have a variety of ages of patients. And I'm always just trying to tell people there is a middle ground. Use all medicines to the best of your needs and abilities. Yeah, my uh, my surgical director, the director of the surgical department, uh, was a veteran with access to – he was way up – veteran, had access to everything, plus private insurance, had MRIs, everything else done. The acupuncture fixed his back and leg pain. It was unbelievable. So, um, yeah, yeah, acupuncture's great. Thanks right, so Alan. much for, for the, the answers and taking my call. You got it. You're talking to some true believers. So, you know, there you go. A lot of these complementary medical treatments can often do a lot of good. And I think, you know, particularly when we talk about, you mentioned it, it cured the back pain and the leg pain. A lot of times what I can offer is a whole bunch of medication and pills, but that's not going to get at the problem as much as physical treatment is going to be. You mentioned stretching, then there's physical therapy, exercise, rehabilitation. A lot of these things require you to put in a lot of your own homework to get them to get better. But that's more effective than if I just give you a bunch of pills. And I'm sure you've hit the same sort of situation in your practice. Particularly parents don't want their kids to take a lot of pills. So doing some sort of activity may be helpful. So what are some of the general rules of thumb that you tell? You mentioned you have a babysitter, so you've had kids. What do you tell them to keep them safe? <laughs> How do you 
I mean, you know, you're an orthopedic surgeon, so your kid comes home and there's something that looks out of place. You can probably tell pretty yeah. quickly there's a problem. But what do you do to keep your kids safe? What yeah. have you done? So uh, there's minor injuries and there's catastrophic injuries. We don't want any of them. Yeah. But, okay, let's talk and minor so, first. And so, you know, ca- well, the catastrophic injuries are what you need to avoid. And that's okay. the seatbelt, the helmet, and the fire alarms. I mean, these are the going. horrible. Okay. These are the horrible outcomes. Uh, if the kid's in a car seat and it's strapped in, they always do fine. They always do fine. Sometimes the biggest problem is finding a place to send the child. After you observe them overnight, they're ready to go home. Find a place to sell it, send them because both their parents were so badly injured. If so they're in seat a- belts, yes. Car seat, yes. The helmet, yes. Helmet, helmet all the time. You're biking, <laughs> you're skating, you're on a skateboard, you're on a variety of different things that have wheels. Don't be ashamed to wear your helmet. I do all that. I skateboard, I surf, and everyone makes fun of me. I wear a helmet when I'm surfing. <laughs> well, you know, you're never going to be the guy who hits his head on the coral and has a problem. And but... there was a guy like that each year. So uh, those are for the, for the catastrophic injuries. Um, and then... Um, the big question is when a child is safe with a motorized vehicle. This is a huge issue, too. Um, the kids with motorcycles, the kids with four-wheelers, and uh, especially a common pattern is motorized vehicles that were not made to be taken on the road, like a four-wheeler, and the kids take them on the road because it's just too easy, too convenient, and that's the best way to get to their parents' house. Not a a good plan. Yeah, that's a bad recipe. What about, you know, there have been a couple of times that we've seen kids get injured. They might be grabbing onto the back of a car. They're on a skateboard. They're on something with wheels. They want to get going a little faster. (laughs) And then they have an injury. So... How do we how do we prevent these sorts of things? I mean, clearly, just don't do it is one thing to say, but you know, sometimes kids are going to do it. How how do we address these things? Well, th- these are behavior issues, and um, uh, half of all children will have a fracture at some point in their life. Half of fifty percent of kids will yeah. have some kind of fracture. But of those, um, about half of them will have multiple fractures. And we oftentimes get the parents who are uh, concerned that maybe their child has brittle bone disease. Uh, so they, they've been taken care of in four different places. The kid had four fractures, and they want to know, does my child have brittle bone disease? And so I'll start asking, well, tell me about the events surrounding each of these four fractures. And pretty soon, it's pretty apparent that it wasn't. Well, once he was on a 12-foot wall, and uh, once they were jumping ramps with their bike, and so it probably behavioral. Mechanism of injury. Yeah. It's all about the history. I have to say, my previous boss, she had four fractures, and she was just that kind of kid. you know. So it could be, it could be anything, really. <laughs> and if the mechanism of injury makes sense, yeah. then hopefully we can address the behavior mm-hmm. issues. Now, what are some other common things that you see? We've talked a little bit about congenital things. We've talked about injuries and sports events. We've talked about variants of normal when something really is okay, although it might concern parents. It might look a little unusual. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit about developmental issues, things that people might acquire as they get older. Scoliosis. I remember everybody having this test done when they were, you know, at the school nurse and bend backwards and stay straighten up and do you have scoliosis? And do we still treat this aggressively? I mean, I mean, you hear these stories about body casting. Do we do that anymore? Scoliosis is still going to be one out of 50 or one out of 100 uh, young women, and it's still going to sneak up on you. 
It's a developmental problem. These are kids who are perfectly straight and normal until they were 10. And then over the course of six or eight months during that peak uh, height velocity, when they're growing that six inches per year, uh, they get crooked. Your back gets crooked. And in, in the mainland, we'd always see it in the spring because it happens right around the time when kids get shy. Uh, my friend was just telling me the other day uh, her kid ran out of the car with his football shirt on backwards. He's about 11 years old. And she said, your shirt's on backwards. He said, oh. And he ran into the bathroom and came back out with his shirt on forward. And she said, that's funny. Why, Why did, did you do, do that? that? Right. Because he's 11 years old. That's what happens when you're 11. You become private. You don't prance around in your underwear anymore. And so then comes the springtime, and you put the bathing suit on, and suddenly all the scoliosis shows up. Uh, and the, um, So, yeah, it's still there. Uh, we still treat it. We still make the kids wear the braces. It's not the same kind of brace you might have grown up with with the throat collar and the uh, iron bands. Sure, it's gotten better. It's way better. All right, that's good. Because is it is it that important to treat it? Yeah, it's very important to catch it and treat it. Because if you don't later on, you can have a whole host of other issues orthopedic-wise, injuries to your hip, injuries to your back, injuries to your knees, ankles, et cetera, because you might be walking out of the normal pattern. Mm-hmm. It's just like dental. If you can steer those teeth and get them straight, then they'll last a lifetime. Uh, if you let them cave in on each other, then uh, that's just the beginning of a lifetime of problems. I'm somehow more thankful for my orthodontist right now. <laughs> yeah, you should. You know, be. you're really making me like dentistry and orthodontics, and I feel like I need to go write him a thank you card or something. <laughs> All right, so other things. What about the really, you know, I want to take a moment to talk a little bit about cerebral palsy, spinal bifida. These are people who need care for life. Is this something that you wind up seeing a lot of because you are at a referral center for people from all over the Pacific? And what can we do to help these kids? Yeah, so we said half of kids will have a fracture, but most kids won't spend the night in the hospital. Who's really in these big children's hospitals, these 18-bed children's hospitals, day and night, getting multiple procedures done, surgeries and treatment and therapy? Uh, These are the kids with the, the bad problems. And I think 30 years ago, you wouldn't see them in the community. The children with bad congenital muscular dystrophy, so weak they can't lift their hand to their mouth. Um, or so weak that they need a breathing machine to assist with their breathing, or the kids with brittle bone disease that just break uh, two, three, five times a year, kids with cerebral palsy. You didn't used to see them in the community. They would sort of be in the hospitals and then be shuttled home. And uh, nowadays, these kids are part of our community. I I know you've seen the kids in the power wheelchairs, uh, kids that are so developmentally delayed they can't speak, but they're out there at the movie night with their siblings, uh, even if they can't see the movie. Um, We've done a much better job opening up. I guess it's maybe the American with Disabilities Act, uh, more transportation options, better wheelchairs, better health care. But those kids spend a lot of time in the orthopedic hospitals because those are the kids that really get the deformities. It's the the polio was in the 1930s and it's the neurologic diseases like cerebral palsy, spina bifida. Um, Those are the kids that need so much. And these are the children that are uniquely served at Shriners regardless of ability from all over the Pacific, really. And, you know, John White, I'm curious you know, you, you're administratively in charge of what goes on at Shriners. Do you have a lot of long-term residents 
of the hospital who have these particular problems? Well, you know, some of our families come and stay in the family center, uh, boy, probably up to maybe even over a year. But that typically was not because their child was hospitalized for the year, but they had periods of hospitalization within the year. So kids typically come and say, and I don't know, Dr. Pellet, what do you think? Maybe a week or two weeks would be the very most you'd be in the hospital? Yeah, right. Two weeks in the hospital. But we'll see kids uh, with a... um, a birth defect, let's say a child with a very short leg, born with a very short leg. And you can tell the family, well, this is going to be a lifetime journey. This is going to be about four operations. And the first one will be at the age of three, then seven. then And by the time he finishes high school, you're going to have two equal length legs to go off to college with. But those people are going to spend a lot of time uh, in our hospital. Yeah, those are our kids. I mean, that's that's part of what makes Shriners so special is we get to see the kids periodically through their whole life. And when they're growing up and we see them when they're little and then we see them there in high school, that's, uh, wow, really rewarding. Well, and we even had Alan call in from Kihei saying, you know, shout out to Shriners. You guys helped my brother when he was younger, born without a hand. So certainly you guys do have a niche as to what you've been able to do and really have an amazing impact worldwide, honestly, because 22 hospitals, but they get referrals from all over. Right. And that's an amazing mission. I know, boy, I bet our administrators would love to learn how to run a hospital <laughs> on 80% unreimbursed care. That's that's a pretty amazing statistic. Sounds I put like, you in the hot seat and said, tell me something I don't know, and yeah, there you go. There you go. Sounds like public radio, right? About 80% there of people listen. And, and there's like 20% of people donate. You're right. I mean, <laughs> and you both are very avid public radio listeners, so I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate your thoughts and certainly your help on that. I want to thank both of you for sharing your expertise with us. Dr. Pellet, you had a busy day today in the clinic, in the operating room, and here you are helping out some folks, you know, throughout the island. So, again, admiring you for your work and all the good that you do and working with the Fracture Clinic, coming in early to help people to really make sure that these things are taken care of. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. And, John White, thanks for telling us more about Shriners. I learned a whole lot. You know, it's something that I certainly wasn't aware of. I know you guys expanded. Yeah. There was construction. And yep. it's nice to know that what's really going on is really going to help children throughout the Pacific, really. That's that's kind of the idea. So thanks for telling us more about Shriners and some of the really amazing things that are going on there that nobody knew about. You mentioned the orthopedic clinic, the fracture clinic. You mentioned the neurologist who's working with autism. And also, you know, the dental clinic, which, again, ties in absolutely with what we were talking about as far as treating kids. So thanks again for taking time from your day to join us, both of you, today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org, follow the links to The Body Show, and listen to the podcast. You can also find more information about upcoming shows on Facebook. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Lang Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week. We're going to talk a little bit about atrial fibrillation, the most common heart rhythm problem in the world. We're going to talk more about it on Monday. We'll see you right here at 5 on The Body Show. See you then.